Good afternoon. This is Mark's Musings, and I'm Mark, and we are broadcasting on WCTV in Wilmington, Massachusetts, where we interview various authors, uh, local authors, and ask them about their writing and their writing routine and the books that they have. Today, we are pleased to have with us a local author by the name of Robert Dougal, and uh, Robert is here sitting at the studio. We are uh, happy to have him here. How are you doing? <coughs> Very well. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great, Robert. Thank you. For, thank you so much for coming and uh, participating in this this interview. So uh, a little rainy out today, and we got. And sometimes you get um, when you, even though you try to get here to the station, you make wrong turns, and uh, that's and exactly what I did. But <laughs> I I found it. I'm glad that you made it, and I'm glad you're here now. So tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, how did you? Uh, what did you do as a uh, vocation? Well, I was a uh, American history, well, world history and American history teacher for almost 50 years. Oh my God! Yes. Um, I started in 1960. Uh, at Southfield High School in Southfield, Michigan. Taught there for five years, and then I came to Massachusetts. I taught for 33 years at Tewksbury High School, Tewksbury Public High School. And then after I retired there in 2004, I taught at Northern Essex Community College for a few years, and then I got an opportunity to uh, teach at Lawrence Central Catholic High School, okay. uh, where I taught history there until 2015. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So she had a really full uh, teaching career. Yeah, and quite varied. Uh, public school, private school, junior college. Uh, it was a lot of fun. What are some of your uh, one, memories that you have, uh, so, sort of uh, <laughs> students or uh, incidences or something like that? Any particular ones that uh, bring to mind? Oh, uh, those are many, many things after 49 years. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, one thing that just popped into my mind the other day was that a, uh, I had heard that a, a student I had my first year teaching, who, by the way, is now, uh, what, 49 years older than that. <laughs> so, so she's, what, 67. She, uh, she went into teaching herself. Oh, and nice. And she told somebody that <clears throat> she uses a lot of the same techniques that I had used when she was in my class. So that was quite gratifying. Isn't that wonderful yeah. to have somebody uh, learn from you mm -hmm. and take it off into their right. uh, into their livelihood. Well, that's super. Yeah, and so now after uh, teaching all along all those years, uh, you, you got a lot of ideas about uh, how to teach uh, students and uh, different mistakes people make, mm -hmm. uh, different uh, things that uh, people have success with. So, yeah. Uh, what are some of those things that you learned? Well, when I was teaching and also uh, in the writing of the books that I've done since then, I have a little um, acronym that I follow, uh, I-C-E-P, ICEP. Uh, the letters stand for I, inform. I try to make my course or my book as informative as possible. Uh, but without getting too stodgy about it, I, don't, I try to keep it light, especially in my books. I don't want to bog people down. I don't want my book to feel like homework. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the I, inform. Uh, e is to entertain. Uh, oh, no, we have the C, C part, uh, challenge. I don't want people to just to learn things and memorize them uh, just for the sake of knowing them. I want uh, people to think about things. Uh, for example, uh, when the um, election of 1860 occurred, Abraham Lincoln was elected president, and the South started seceding from the Union, and it looked like there was going to be a civil war. Lincoln had the opportunity to compromise. He could have compromised, and the South would have accepted it, and there wouldn't have been a war. Uh, but he chose not to, and the result of that was a war that killed uh, 700,000 or whatever yes. uh, people. It was terrible. Worst war in American history. 
so the question I ask people to think about: well, Was Lincoln right to do that? Should he have compromised? Why didn't he compromise? Yes. What would you have done if you had been in his situation? When, in the general sense, is it right to compromise, and when is it not right? To- so that's the challenge part. Uh, the E uh, in ISEP is entertain. I try to be as entertaining as possible, both in my classes when I was teaching. Try to make things uh, humorous, if they are humorous, or find the humor in things. Just try to make it a, a lighthearted approach to American history. And finally, personalize. That's the P at the end, ISEP. History is much more interesting if we personalize it, if we think about it as human beings, and just think about uh, ourselves in those situations. How would we have done? For myself personally, I know all of the history for the last 70 years or so. I know just about everything that happened. Well, not everything that happened, but a, a lot of what happened since World War II. And that is about one quarter of what's happened since the uh, Declaration of Independence. So I know a lot of American history. Yeah. And if you go through your family and all the people involved in your family going back, you can personalize uh, their uh, attachment to the events of American history way back when. So that's what I try to get people to think about. That is so true. And I guess in your classroom, you probably have them bring information about their fathers, grandfathers, uncles, things like that. Uh, That's right. I had a project at Central I did for several years called uh, History and Me, (laughs) in which I asked the students to write a uh, two- or three-page paper about something, someone in their family that was connected with a historic event. Oh, yes, yes. Either they were in World War II or they fought in Afghanistan or they immigrated to this country from another country. That helped the students uh, realize that it's not just a whole bunch of old fact that they're learning. It's uh, people. People make up history. Sure, sure. I, I noticed in one of your excerpts in uh, one of the books that you wrote about a hairdresser, that you were <laughs> having some hair done, and uh, mm-hmm. she said that uh, that uh, history was her worst subject. <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, that was in the, the, uh, one of my recent books, American History. It's more than the crap you learned in high school. <laughs> Could I That's, read you that little that, section? Yeah, that is quite a, uh, yeah. a, a, a catchy title. Uh, I was trying. Um, my point in this book is to try to show people that what they know about American history or what they could know about American history is helpful to yes. them. It's not just a crap you learned in high school, like Paul Simon said in the song. Yes. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. In the opening pages of that book, I try to point out how a lot. most people don't realize that it can be useful. And I <clears throat> tell about a conversation I had with a uh, woman named Tina, 20-year-old who had dropped out of high school to become a hairstylist. And she talked while she was cutting my hair at a local shop. So what do you teach, she asked. American history, I replied. Your scissors started to snip much faster. (laughs) I always hated history, she snarled. Well, maybe it would have helped you to think of history as a story with interesting characters rather than just a long list of names and dates to memorize, I offered. How interesting could old guys in powdered wigs who lived over 200 years possibly be? She asked, gesturing with a comb and flashing the elaborate rose tattoo on her arm. I guessed her interest in hair helped her remember that those old guys wore powdered wigs, and I was impressed that she actually placed them at over 200 years ago. Hopeful, I ventured on. Can you think of anything that you learned in history that has helped you in your life? I asked warily. No, she stated emphatically, and that's why I dropped out of high school. I wanted to learn stuff that would help me make money. As I endured the rest of the haircut, I tried to think of ways Tina could make money from knowing American history. All I could come up with was that she could teach it. Several schools have paid me huge piles of cash to do so. She could be a tour guide at a historic site. I hear the camera-toting Civil War buffs at Gettysburg tip very well. Or she could go on Jeopardy. 
When Alex Trebek says, He signed the bill creating the Transcontinental Railroad. She could slam her buzzer and blurt out, Who was Abraham Lincoln? And win $30,000. I knew none of those scenarios would be very convincing. That's not a lot of money to be made in Noig American history. Later, at the cash register, I dropped three $10 bills on the counter to pay for the haircut. The bills lay there with Hamilton's face staring at us. Knowing full well that I was about to say, what I was about to say would be nerdy, I nevertheless could not resist. Look at that. I'm dropping Hamilton's like I'm Aaron Burr. Burr killed Hamilton in a duel, I explained. She performed a world-class eye roll, scooped up the money. I almost said, they were wearing powdered wigs at the time. <laughs> but I decided to let it go. It was obvious that Tina could not wait for this incredible dweeb who reminded her way too much of her uncomfortable past to leave the shop. So with that story's introduction, I tried to point out what we all kind of know is that people thought History was boring when they were in high school, and it's of no use. <laughs> and uh, then I go to the rest of the book to try to show how it is useful. Well, that that's a great idea, yeah, mm. to, to show the connection that they have to, yeah. to, to it. Like, yeah. And uh, I told my colleagues at Central when I was writing the book <clears throat> that if I couldn't prove that it was worth knowing, then my entire career was wasted. <laughs> I had wasted my life. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I yeah. don't necessarily want to say that. No. Uh, but that is interesting about uh, Hamilton and Burr. You know, you, uh-huh. don't, you forget about that duel that they had, <laughs> and you never think about that. You just you hear names, you see mm-hmm. them on the the uh, ten dollar bill there, but you don't uh, uh, necessarily remember some of those things that happened. Yeah, of course. Now it's famous with the uh, with the Broadway play, and oh yes, Hamilton. I'm not going to waste my yes. shot and all that. There you go, Hamilton. Yes, yeah. that's true. Well, that sounds great. So that was a little intro there that you had. Those are three books that you, or four books that you have now written. Uh, yes. And what's the latest one that you now, Rants, what is that one? The one that's out uh, right now is called Rants, Raves, and Reflections of an American Historian. Yes. Uh, this is a collection of 60 essays. Each one is uh, on a different thing. It's kind of good for people if they have it to, um, you know, you can read a three or four page essay at night if you're just laying in bed before you go to sleep. It's not long. It's not uh, involved. And each of them, I think, is kind of entertaining. So uh, they try to be, a lot of them are humorous. And those are essays that you wrote, yeah. They're all essays that I wrote, and they're on a variety of different things. Um, There's one, uh, a collection of four of them on statues and monuments. Oh. There's a lot of been conversation about statues that's, lately. That's correct, yes, yes, yes. So I uh, talk about that and how they could be uh, maybe made a little better. A lot of them want to be torn down. Uh, statues, right, yeah. and, I, and one of the points I make in there is uh, don't tear them down. Just put a plaque on the statue that tells uh, what it was, I mean, who the guy is, and all the dirt about him. <laughs> I mean, if it's just dirt about him, like, yeah, Washington owns slaves. Put that right on the, mo- on the Washington Monument. But don't tear down the monument. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do with every slave owner? Are we going to blast two faces off of Mount Rushmore because Washington and Jefferson owned slaves? No, yeah, but yeah. we can make it clear to everybody, yeah, yeah they owned slaves, and Jefferson did father a child with one of his and, slaves. And history has its ups and downs. You know, they're not, not everything is a rosy as uh, people think it should be. Like, Back uh, again to its, its people. It's sinful people. It's people, yeah. People make mistakes even mm-hmm. in our own lives, mm-hmm. our own families. You know, of course. 
there are uh, things that we uh, think twice about now. Yeah. We say, gee, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and don't think that people in the past, even a so-called perfect man like George Washington, didn't have moments like that when he made mistakes, right? Sure, sure, sure. He had some terrible mistakes. So uh, in writing your books, uh, you decided, what was the first book? Um, I started it in 19... 19- 73. It was called uh, The Agitator and the Politician. It was about William Lloyd Garrison, the agitator, the uh, abolitionist, and Abraham Lincoln, the politician. Oh, yes, yes. I wanted to compare their lives because they were very different people, but ultimately they ended up on the same page. Okay. Wanting to free the slaves. Lincoln yes. was very reluctant to come to that. People are not really fully aware of that. So I wanted to follow, trace their lives to the point where they did become on the same page. Page, yeah, so yeah. to speak. In agreement, yeah. Yes, in agreement. So um, I, st- I started that in 1973, but then I got involved with teaching and coaching. I coached track and cross country at Tewksbury High ah, yes. for many years. So, uh, and had my family and all of that. So it just took so much time, I didn't really work on it anymore for about 30 years. Oh my God, yes. <clears throat> so then, 2004, when I retired from Tewksbury and had a little more time, I dragged it out, dusted it off, <laughs> and uh, finished it up, and uh, published that in 2005. And then I kind of got the writing bug and started writing more books. And, and did you, you sent it out to uh, different publishers and got rejected, but then you decided that you would try to look for a publisher that would do what you wanted them to do. So. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like that. I thought, you know what, I'm getting old. I don't have time for <laughs> all these, to go years and years with all these rejection letters. <laughs> and uh, you know, I might go right to the end of my life and never get it published. So I thought, well, I'll just publish it myself. Isn't that great? That's, yeah. so it's, well, that's one way to, to do it because yep. uh, sometimes there are thousands and thousands of books out there. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to uh, get a publisher to mm-hmm. uh, to notice you, like you know, because exactly. they have a pile of stuff that they read every day. Anyway, so I'm glad that you got uh, that book published, and so that got gave you the bug, the writing yeah, bug, right. and then you decided to uh, try to push that, market that for a while, mm-hmm. and then you decided to do another book. Yeah, my idea at the time was uh, to have a book about two characters who were major figures in the 19th century, Garrison and Lincoln, and then try to have one that was about two important characters in the 20th century, and I decided to write about uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower and Douglas MacArthur. So uh, the, I call that one uh, Leaders in Dangerous Times. Oh, yes. And it was, a, again, a comparison of the life of the two men. See, they, too, were very different, even though they both became five-star generals. And one of them f- fought in World War II in Europe and the other one in the Pacific. But between them, their stories cover a lot of the American history of the 20th century, hmm. at least the first half of it. Yes. So... Um, I found it very interesting to research that book and write it. So my idea was hopefully that there'd be a uh, book about the 19th century that uh, teachers could use in their classroom for uh, outside reading, and then another one about the 20th century uh, that they could use. And now when you've written your books, uh, you you put characters in it to mm-hmm. tell the story. Is that what you've done, or did you just sort of tell it yourself? I pretty much told it myself yes, from sort yeah. of the omniscient point of view, yeah, or yeah. however you want to put it. When I got to uh, American History, It's More Than the Crap You Learn in High School, I did do that one, uh, having different characters, characters tell yeah. the story. Yes. But I was doing it in that book to try to show that there's really only four lifetimes between the uh, Declaration of Independence and today. Can you imagine that? Yes, yes. yes. You, if you pick the four 
right people, they could tell you the th- the main things that happened in the year in our country from 1776 to now. I chose James Madison to tell 1776 to 1836. Mark Twain covered 1836 to 1900. Alice Roosevelt, the- Theodore Roosevelt's daughter, covered 1900 to 1960. And I covered 1960 <laughs> to the present. But that shows that just four people, their lifetimes, and not that long lifetime, just 60 years each. 60, wow. Covers all of the events from 1776 to now. Sometimes when I tell my uh, my grandchildren that my grandmother was born in the 1800s, yeah. they say, what? <laughs> that, that was years and years ago. How, how can that be? You know, know. They don't realize that lifetimes uh, overlap. And, That's right. Uh, we uh, see a lot of history. Mm-hmm. And even in my own lifetime, I can see all of the different events that have mm-hmm. happened, uh, different wars and different uh, crises that we've had around the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I remember Kennedy uh, telling us there were missiles in Cuba and we were all afraid we were going to get blown up. True. You know, I can remember true. that very, very well. And, and for the kids today, that was <laughs> eons ago. That was, yeah, what, yeah. 60 years ago, 50 years ago. My wife and I were just talking recently about the missile crisis and having to uh, air raids in school and we had to hide under our desks mm-hmm. in school, you know, and what that would do, would yeah. probably nothing, but that was the uh, the uh, the thing that we were told that would help us. In, uh, well, it inculcated fear in everybody, that's for sure. It sure did, yeah. Or then you'd go outside and whenever you hear uh, the horns would blow, you know, and you say, oh, no, I have to find shelter. Yeah, you know, terrible time. Terrible. You've done some fairs. Uh, have you had some success with uh, some of the books that you have written? Uh, <clears throat> Naturally, not as much as I'd yeah, like. You I know. know, yeah. <clears throat> I think if people knew, if they uh, gave these books a chance, they would like them, the word would spread, and even more people would read them. Yes, but, yes. Um, and I think they're very good. Uh, great, so, yeah. I, you know, I, I believe in what I've done here. Uh, as I go back and look them over, I can see things I might improve, but I think think the average person would like reading some of these. I think that's part of uh, the why you like why you write a book is the personal pride mm-hmm. that you have in accomplishing right. that that task. You know, mm-hmm. of putting in words uh, what you believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. it's nice that you're able to accomplish those four books. My uh, uh, American history is more than the crap you learned in high school. On Amazon, it's ranked one million three hundred thousand. But it's funny if somebody buys one, if just, if just one person buys one, my rank goes up to sixty-six thousand or something. Yeah, it doesn't take much to change it quite a bit. <clears throat> but then, if nobody buys it for a few weeks, it goes back down to one million, two million, three million. <laughs> it's wild. It is funny how they uh, compare book yeah. with uh, with numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's super. So when you went to the, you recently were at the Tuxbury uh, Authors Fair. How right. was that? That was very good. I, I'm really uh, grateful um, that they set that up at Tewksbury. Um, um, it's, it's a nice thing to get the people together that write books. And uh, we had about, what, 30 people there? Yes, uh, yeah. That's not a huge crowd, but they were all interested. It was fun telling them about the books. And we sold a half a dozen or so. That's super, and, uh, yes, yeah. Um, so it just gave a little more experience of and you talking get, about it. you got to meet a lot of people. And, we did. And I got to meet you. <laughs> there you go. And you could meet the authors, but also some of the uh, mm-hmm. people who attended. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank Robert Haynes uh, for uh, setting yes, that up. Yes, he is always good in, uh, mm-hmm. in having that fear every year. And we're looking forward to the uh, for ne- to next year, too. So this new book that you have coming up, what's that one now? 
Well, now this is interesting. It's uh, well to me. It's interesting. <laughs> Um, I'm taking the first book I wrote, The Agitator and the Politician. And uh, as I look at it, I think, oh, that story needs much more. And it needs to be told in a very different way. So I've taken the first book I wrote, The Agitator and the Politician, William Lloyd Garrison, Abraham Lincoln, and the Emancipation of the Slaves. And I'm rewriting it. This is going to be the second edition. But this is, uh, this is much better, I think. So don't buy the first edition. The second edition will be out uh, very shortly. Uh, this is it in uh, in Roth. Oh, and, wow. Um, nice. I'm having people edit it. I'm having a lot of people read it and give me their opinion about it, including a couple of former uh, colleagues of mine at uh, Central Catholic High School. Yes, yeah. And uh, so they went through with their blue pencils and <laughs> told me what they liked and didn't like. And I made a lot of changes that they recommended. It's going to be very different from the first edition of uh, Agitator and the Politician. So I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I just went through it again. I, as I told you earlier, I, I can't uh, find any mistakes, but I know there are some, so I'm going to go through it at least one more time Isn't it funny? Yeah. before I send it off to the publisher. I, I, it's, it's funny how uh, I belong to a writer's group, and mm -hmm. we do the same thing. Uh, each month we meet, uh, there are 10 or 15 of us in the group, and they each of us submits seven pages of our current <clears> writing <throat> project to each other to right. crit critique. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's funny how the things that we thought were perfect yeah. get taken down because mm -hmm. we're using it's the wrong point of view or grammatical errors or uh, spellings wrong or something Yeah, like very that. much. And something you thought was perfectly clear <laughs> is not clear at all to everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes uh, what a lot of people say, in my particular uh, genre. I'm writing fiction, mm -hmm. and so uh, they want me to use more dialogue rather than uh, exposition, trying right. to start mm -hmm. telling rather than showing, like mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that's the hard part about writing fiction. I don't know if I could write it in history. I have the dialogue written for me. I <laughs> already know what they said. <laughs> so the only the only problem I have there is I often have to footnote it. Foot, to yeah. Tell where I got that quote, yeah. but I know that they said it. Reading a little bit about your American history, about um, Clemens, uh, uh, Mark Twain. Yes. And uh, so I was interested in the. You know, he wasn't just a writer. At the end, he mm -hmm. had a varied career. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, in in his early days, as a young boy in Hannibal, Missouri, he saw slavery. He saw slaves being sold on, off the dock and being put on uh, <coughs> riverboats to be taken down to New Orleans. Um, so he was well acquainted with that. As a young man, when the Civil War started, um, he joined a volunteer group to uh, fight for the Confederacy. <laughs> he was actually going to fight for the South. Uh, but as he put it, after a couple weeks of that, he got bored and lit out for the territories <laughs> and, <Sure>. went, <laughs> and went uh Went out west to California to look for gold, actually Nevada, to look for gold. <laughs> so uh, he had a little touch with the Civil War. Uh, he left, by the way, just as this Union uh, officer was approaching with his uh, men. And the guy was uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Oh. Uh, and Twain says, good thing I uh, left before Grant showed up because I probably would have got him. And he, that would have been the end of the Northern War effort. <laughs> <laughs> Proud. <laughs> the, the irony is that uh, later in his life, quite a bit later, uh, Twain had contact with Ulysses S. Grant and helped him write his uh, autobiography. Oh, my God. His See, memoirs. those little, little uh, snippets like that, those uh, nice yeah. stories that you uh, found out about. Yeah. yeah. In fact, he saved Grant's uh, 
wealth uh, for him. Uh, Grant was going to die penniless, oh, oh. but he, uh, and, but he, and he had cancer. He was dying. So uh, uh, Mark Twain said, uh, "Look, I'll publish your memoirs, but you got to finish them." Yes. So yes. poor old Grant uh, sitting there on his porch, writing away on yellow paper with a pen, <laughs> with a pencil, um, trying to get them done. He, he did get them done, and, and Twain published them, and they were very popular and very successful. And, uh, Grant that, uh, had some money. That's a nice story. See that that's yeah. something behind the scenes. You know, yeah. you never you know the backstory there. For uh, I remember. Course, excuse me. Go ahead. You know, at the end of his life, uh, besides besides being a writer and a humorist, uh, Mark Twain was very hostile to American imperialism. He yes. thought it was grotesque that we took over the Philippines and uh, you know any of the islands that we took over in the Pacific and also Puerto Rico. Uh, he wrote a lot about that and how uh, how horrible it was that we thought of ourselves so much better than these people that we would take them over and uh, literally beat them up. That is terrible, yeah. yes. You never think about that. No, but he had a definitely a very strong opinion about that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, in fact, why we left England was because of the imperialism. <coughs> yeah, they were that turning around there, doing the same thing. And we ended up doing the same, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the, the, the four books, I guess, or have we yeah, talked yeah, about we have. the books? Yeah, we have. And uh, you wanted me to ask you some questions, I guess. And uh, you, you told us about the book. Uh, told us, how, yeah, about organizing things. Mm. How do you go about uh, organizing your voluminous <laughs> amount of information? Yeah, uh, that's one of the big problems in writing a history book. And I think it would probably be a big problem in writing any kind of a like a fictional novel because you want to have everything hang together. You don't want to uh, have something come up in chapter seven totally out of joint that doesn't make any sense because nothing prepared nothing laid the foundation for it you know the reader doesn't know where you're coming from with that so maybe something about that has to appear in chapter one so that they're ready for it when it comes up in chapter seven yes so how do you do that right how do you make that organizational uh, schemata so to speak sure well uh the way i do it is i'm a very um visual person i'm very visual and i also uh, like so (laughs) what i'll do is i take um First of all, I decide on the chapters I'm going to have. Well, I do. You know how the police sometimes solve a murder and they <laughs> have all the stuff up on the wall? Yes. They yeah. do that because it helps them see all the connections, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So I put at the top of the wall, you know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and each one has a color on it. So then as I come up with uh, other cards that have information or quotes, I stick them under the chapter. That is relevant. That's relevant to that, and I color that. Sometimes I change the color because I decided it'll go better in another chapter. <laughs> then uh, gradually, then I have it all, all on the wall. I can look at the things. I have a chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and I can decide, well, okay, so those all belong in that chapter, I think, but what would be the best order to talk about in it? Change the order okay, yeah. around, but yeah. it's easy to do with the cards. Well, yeah, and right? when you see it visually. Yeah. And you can see it visually, and you yeah. can see how, and I say, all right, here in chapter seven, I talk about this thing, but I need to have uh, had something about that earlier. So I look back to one of the earlier chapters to see if I did, you know, and then that helps me put that together. Maybe I have to make up another card to put something in an earlier chapter to cover that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as you're working with it like that, when you have it all so visual right in front of you, you haven't written a thing yet. All you've done is, you (laughs) know, it's like building a house and all you've done is make the framework. But if you make that right, then the rest is just uh, planking. It's easy, yeah. It's easy to put put it together. And I think we call that uh, storyboard mm-hmm. in uh, in fictional writing. Exactly. You know, we write a storyboard so mm-hmm. you know the beginning, the middle, and the end. You know, mm-hmm. you sort of know where things should be written. That was always the hardest thing I had in teaching 
uh, in high school, the kids wanted to just start writing. <laughs> if they had an essay to write or a paper to write, they just wanted to get right down so you know, get it over with, right? Yeah. And I say, no, no, you, you don't build a house without a blueprint. You should never write an essay without a, a, a outline, yeah. some kind of a structure for it. Yeah. <laughs> they would resist. <laughs> so sometimes I've made it part of the assignment. You've got to hand in your uh, outline, outline first. 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 That's, that's part of organizing things. Sure. You know, you just can't uh, things. Mm-hmm. You need to have some uh, rhyme or reason for one thing following, following another. And you have to always realize that your reader is always in trouble. He's, uh, he's always getting lost. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and you want to make sure he's got a map to follow. Mm, that's you know, right. That, that uh, he's reading something that's mm-hmm. either in sequence or related. So yeah. that give some, uh, you said you wanted to give uh, some examples. Oh, no, uh, you said something about keeping the interest of students. How do you? That uh, ain't easy. <laughs> I know, of course, I know. My, as, as my story of... Uh, Tina in the uh, book there uh, points out I mean, most of them are pretty resistant. They don't really think it's important. Yeah. What yeah. good is it going to do me to know about Abraham Lincoln <laughs> when I'm trying to make money, you know? They can see the uh, usefulness of, uh, you know, learning how to um, set and how to do hair, right? Because they're going to make money doing that. Yes. So, and that's, uh, and it's more than the crap you learned in high school. I try to show, well, you know, one thing I learned from Lincoln is how well, uh, you should make decisions about things by being very careful about waiting until the moment comes and then you need to make the decision. The Don't re- make a decision too soon. Too soon, yeah. Wait until all the facts are in. And that's sometimes hard to do because yeah. you want to jump and get it done. Yeah. You want to blur it out. Yep, yeah. you want to have it all set. But uh, Lincoln showed in many instances during the Civil War how it was important to wait, watch, let everything get committed as much as you can. Have it clearly in your mind when you have to decide. And don't decide until then. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and then you can see with the whole picture by then, and that's when you decide. And he was very good at that, and that's one of the lessons I took from uh, Lincoln. But it's hard deciding when that time is, too. (laughs) Yeah, uh, sometimes for him it was easy, like uh, the commander at Fort Sumter at the beginning of the war said, I'm going to run out of supplies by April 14th, 1861. So Lincoln knew, all right, April 14th. I've got to decide what to do by April 14th. <laughs> I mean, the guy gave him the date, right? <laughs> it wasn't always so clear. The, uh, the other big issue he had to time was when to decide to announce he was going to free the slaves. Yeah. Yeah. The timing on that was a little more... Very good. We've covered a lot of ground here. I think you've talked about your books that mm-hmm. you have your, your, and your latest project you have coming up. Yeah, I'm very proud of this, by the way, because um, I thought the uh, agitator and the politician uh, that came out in uh, 2005, very good. Yes. Although I didn't particularly like the cover, but that's another matter. This one, I, I'm sure, is going to have a much better cover. Good, 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 <laughs> and, uh, good. But you can't tell a book by its cover, as they say, And I, I but I think inside it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to have a lot of information there presented in a nice, clear, understandable way um, that help people understand how the slaves were freed. Yes, yeah. And uh, what the Civil War had to do with that, how the Civil War was fought with that in mind, and what led up to all of that, how it, how uh, westward expansion, for example, had a lot to do with um, the Civil War and yeah. the freeing of the slaves. And some of those same ideas uh, plague us today, too, mm-hmm. even, you know, uh, w- the way we are treating immigrants even today. Exactly. Comparing that to the way we treated slaves. So And the race issue. And the racist issue. There's a lot that comes up uh, with Lincoln. I think a lot of people were surprised to know that Lincoln uh, really tried hard to come up with a plan whereby most of the freed slaves would be sent away to some other place. Oh, yes, yeah. Colonized in Africa or Haiti or Panama, anywhere but here. Yeah, yeah. 
But in fact, and that was his pl a plan that he came up with, huh? Well, he kept searching around for places. It was not a, not a plan he came up with. A lot of people have been talking about it for yeah. years. Yeah. But uh, he was very slow to give that up. It was only in the last year of his life that he realized, you know what, they're going to stay here and we're going to figure out a way that how, to, how to make it work. And well, then Booth yeah. shot him and that was the end of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, very good. So uh, we talked about the books. Um, how do you go about pricing a book? Uh, <laughs> decided uh, how you know some people online they said they want to try to sell their books for 99 cents you know, <laughs> and other books put fifty dollars as a uh, mm -hmm. I, I know it's worth a million dollars to you but uh, right. how do you decide well uh, actually uh, the publisher I have is uh, word association publishers in Pittsburgh and uh, they set the price okay and uh, it's 1995 for my most recent two books, American History is More Than the Crap You Learned in High School, and Rants, Rays, and Reflections of an American Historian. Okay. And my new book, uh, The Agitator and the Politician, will also be done by them. And I imagine it'll, it, too, will be 1995. About the same price, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, the Kindle edition is a little less than that because yeah, it's... Yeah, quite a bit less, actually. Uh, yeah. Isn't it 995? 995, yes, yeah. So that's uh, that's a hard decision to make. Is mm. uh, have you decided uh, any are any events coming up that you think you'd like to participate in? Or I don't have any signed up right nothing, now. Nothing, yeah. um, but I would certainly be happy to show up at anything, anything that sure. anybody might have. Uh, people can buy my books from me directly. Uh, you may know this as well. If they buy it from me. I'd be happy to mail it to them. Um, I don't know how to tell them uh, how to do that, but. Uh, um, posted free. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if they send me the twenty dollars, I'll send them the book. Um, it's uh, rmcdougal sixty six at gmail dot com. So yeah, I was going to ask you. So you do have a website? I'm mm -hmm. excuse me, an email address. Yes. And repeat that again that you just said. R MacDougall M A C D O U G A L L sixty six at gmail dot com. Okay, great. So we have the email. You have a website too. Uh, I do. If they go, if they look up my name, uh, or I'm also on Facebook. Um, I don't usually do much lately on Facebook, but I am there. And um, as I said, I uh, send it posted free. It's much better for me. I I have to say, if they buy it from me directly, yes, yeah, of if course. they buy it off of Amazon, which they can do, they can go to Amazon and just type in my name, and it'll it'll come up. I don't, I only get a buck and a half. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's very, very uh, small yeah, amount of money. Right. So we have your email, we have your website, and we have also your on Amazon, like you just right. said. Mm -hmm. All uh, four of them are on there. But don't buy the agitator and the politician on there. There's only there's only one left, and that's the old edition. Okay. <laughs> wait, for, wait for the new wait, edition. Wait for the new edition <laughs> right. to come out. Well, very good. Is there anything else you'd like to include in the uh, interview uh, with a sort of uh, come to a close here? Yeah. Uh, no, I just, um, for anybody who's listening, uh, I had a terrific time uh, teaching at Tewksbury High School. Yes, yes. I know it's the big rival of Wilmington, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were uh, friends in the end. And... Um, so I, I enjoyed all my students there and the time I had teaching there. Some people considered me a little bit of a traitor when I went to Central Catholic, <laughs> especially when I also coached there. Um, but it's all teenagers, it's all students. And, uh, and that's the love I, of your life, yeah. You that's do. right. And they all were eager to learn history, so I was happy to be there and, and work with them. And contribute to, to their lives, too. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's nice that you're able to share something with them. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they enjoyed the camaraderie that you had. 
had with mm. them. And, Some of them did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. I think we've come to a close then mm-hmm. of the program. This, again, uh, I'd like to tell our audience that this is Mark's Musings. We are broadcast on WCTV.org in Wilmington, Massachusetts, and uh, we try to produce a program uh, once a month, and we're happy that we had today uh, Robert McDougall, and don't forget, you can get him uh, by email or on Amazon or on his website. And uh, so that's it for now, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.